First Peter 4, beginning at verse 10. Very simple, uh, plain words of exhortation. As each one has received a gift, Notice the assumption that is identified there. Each one has received a gift. And then he says, use it. Now, I've studied the Greek here quite diligently, and I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what Peter's trying to get across, but I, I think that in English you would say, use it. Use it. It's, a, <laughs> it's actually a pretty simple exhortation. You've received a gift, use it. That's what the, what the exhortation is in, in, in a nutshell. Use it to serve one another. Don't use it to serve yourself. Jesus didn't come into this world to serve himself. He came to serve sinners. Use what God has given you to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. A fascinating sentence when you put everything together. Notice who are the stewards. It's the person who possesses the gift, is the steward of that particular gift. It's not the pastor, it's not the church, it's the person. It's the steward of a grace that God has given to that individual, to that person, but is varied. In other words, it's different. It's not identical to the people around you. And Peter is simply saying, in very non-esoteric language, use it. And then he says this in verse 11. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Oracles is a bit of an odd word, isn't it? It, it, it simply means that words that don't originate from ourselves. Uh, Paul uses it elsewhere to describe the giving of the law to the Jews. They received the very oracles of God what the word oracle means. It just means to, to have words that, that are from God. Speak as one who speaks oracles of God, and whoever serves as one who serves with the strength that God supplies. What a profound correspondence there is here between something that God is doing, speaking and giving strength, to what we are encouraged to do, speak and be strengthened. Because God supplies that strength. And, now, and then he says this, in order that in everything God may be glorified. Who's to be glorified? God is to be glorified, not the person who is stewarding the gift, not anybody else, not, not, not the church corporately. God is to be glorified. In other words, th this is the biblical way of, of interpreting our vernacular when we say impact the world. There is, this, this, in, the, in, the, in the biblical terminology, when we say impact the world, to be very clear, what we are talking about is bringing glory to God. And so don't, don't, don't let impacting the world be defined in your mind any other way. And in that wonderful preposition, through, there's an instrument, there's, there's, there's a means, there, there's, there's a way, there's, there, there, there's, 
prescribed means, and that is through. Through one's own strength. No, through Christ. Through Jesus Christ, to whom him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Wonderful, simple, profound, helpful text that in this sermon series, I hope will just help us identify who we are and what we're doing. You know, it, it's, I, I'm sure that I only speak what everybody else longs for. For to be a part of a church that, that, that doesn't have dynamics, that doesn't have patterns, that doesn't have a, a life about it that is contrary to the gospel it believes. <clears throat> and yet, sometimes that happens in its leadership and in its people. So here's what I would like you to take, take home with you this morning. This is what I think the main point of the text is. And if you don't get anything else this morning, this is what I would like you to take home. That service to one another, our, our use of our gifts to one another and serving one another in the body of, of Christ is enabled by something outside of ourselves. It's, it's enabled and it's characterized. Oh, Lord, help us, please. Let it be characterized by the ministry of Christ to us. I grew up hearing a lot and knowing a lot about gifts, but this, this idea of the ministry of Christ to us that, that underlies, that is the foundation and is the, is the fountainhead of all gifts, they seem to do a very good job of keeping that secret from anybody who was watching. And I, I didn't know anything about it because I, I didn't know the Lord. That's the real reason. And yet, so, let me explain that little phrase, the ministry of Christ that enables us and characterizes all that we do to one another. The ministry of Christ is simply this, is that the Son was not idle in heaven with his sonship. <laughs> there, there's something tremendously, wonderfully corresponding about when, when Peter says, use it to the, to the very sonship of our Savior himself who was not idle in heaven with his sonship, but he, he used it, right? He used it. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve sinners. He used his sonship. He was a good steward of all that he was in sonship. And he used it to serve sinners. Do you understand that? Is that, did, that, that? That Christ is something that, first of all, served us. The only reason Peter can say use it is because we serve a Savior who his own identity, his own sonship, he used. And what did he do? He brought us the oracle. He brought us the oracles of God. You see, the, the gospel can't be known simply by looking at creation. The gospel can't be known simply looking in at our own moral conscience. The gospel can only be known through the manifestation of Jesus Christ. He is the mystery of God to all people, made plain. And he brings to us the oracles of God. He says in John 17, when he prays to his heavenly Father, he says, I have manifested to to." them, O Lord, our Father. He's praying to his Father. He says, I have manifested your name to them. The words that you gave to me, I have given to them. And he did it with the strength that the Father gave him. 
when they picked up stones to stone him, he says, so which of these works that the Father gave me to do are you stoning me for? The works he did, he did in the strength of the Holy Spirit that his Father gave him. And so, why do I say all of that? I say all of that because no matter how simple and plain the exhortations of Scripture are, sometimes my own experience in life is they don't stick. And the reason they don't stick is because I don't understand the correspondence there is between the exhortation of the Scripture and the ministry of Christ in my own life. And when I begin to understand that this ministry of Christ in my own life corresponds to the very same thing that God's apostles and his his prophets speak to me about, then it makes sense. And it's not just something that somebody's putting on me. It's not just something that somebody's laying on me. And it's not something that that we do to, to, to make other people happy. It's not something we're doing to punch our ticket to heaven. It's something that flows out of our own faith and life and experience in Jesus Christ. And there is no other way for us to be a healthy church except to be healthy people in the Lord. So I, I hope you can follow this and understand this. And so following that, three simple points, that there is something in this text that transcends. It's just, it's just, it's just way above any worldly system, any, any way that other, any other institution or organization brings itself together and calls its people to, to, to um, engage with one another. Secondly, it absolutely depends upon that real and vital spiritual union with Christ. There's just, there's just no substitute. And thirdly, that is characterized by the gospel. I'll explain these things as I go through one at a time. First of all, there's something here that, that transcends. It's, it's, just, it's just so wonderfully transcends any worldly system of thinking that can be imposed upon us. And that happens to us sometimes as God's people. That we bring stuff in, we bring, we bring junk in, and we, 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 we learn it from the world, and we forget that, the, that, that we're God's people. And there's something about God's people that, 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 that transcends. Look at verses, the last few words that I read in the last half of, of verse 11. He says, In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Can you, can you see that, why Peter adds that? Because he's, he's saying, look it, there, there's a simple exhortation here, but the purpose of it, the usefulness of it, completely transcends anything that, that, that you could possibly borrow or bring in from the world around you. I mean, why, why else would there be such a, I mean, it looks like a benediction, right? I mean, I'm surprised some of you didn't leave when, when Harvey said that because it, it's kind of a, a Christianese way of saying goodbye. We're finished now. Amen. But you didn't. You didn't leave. And that's not the point of, of why Peter says that. He's not finished. What he's doing is he's taking his exhortation and he's setting that, that in this, the, the jewel in the band. And the band, the thing that, 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 that perfects it, the thing that brings it all together is that it's done through Christ. Through Christ. Oh, how we, how we need something that, that, that transcends. How we need something that can uh, uh, appeal to people and not just say, well, 
well, oh my. It transcends institutional goals and vision. It transcends leadership theory. It transcends management principles. It transcends guilt manipulation and volunteerism. It transcends everything. My subject is deeply personal today. There's been a seasons in my life where I have refused to use my gift. Full of frustration, cynicism, arrogance. And I long for the church to be a place where we transcend. I long for it to be a place where people can use their gifts within the safety the, the, the safety of something that transcends worldly system without spiritual abuse, without egotism, without kingdom building, without guilt manipulation. And sometimes it's disruptive. <laughs> Many of you are praying for revival in our church and praise the Lord, let, let revival come. But with revival, usually often comes disruption. Look at how the Reformation disrupted the church. Luther started talking about the gifts of, of the priesthood of, of every believer. Whoa. And there are dysfunctional systems that the church can become involved in where there's this bargain between people that say, well, leave me free to live my own life and, and you take on, you can be the hero. And some people like being the hero. <laughs> and some people like not having to do anything. And so there's something here that transcends. There's also something that depends upon that real union and experience of Christ's ministry to us. You see, the issue that Peter is addressing here is not gift confusion. We spend a lot of time sometimes when we start talking about gifts, about gift confusion, but Peter's, Peter's not even in, in that realm. He's not talking about gift confusion. He's talking about gift withholding. That's what he's talking about. Use it, he says. As each of you have received a gift, use it. Gift identification isn't the pressing need. Gift implementation is the pressing need. And there may be times of confusion in a person's life where they feel insecure or they feel unsure about what their gifting is. But by and large, more often than not, than not, we know. We know what it is that, that gives us joy in the Lord. I was talking to uh, a beautiful young woman, uh, mother in our, our church, her congregation a few away, a while ago, and she had, she had stopped doing something and started doing something else. And she said, you know, I realized that, that in being involved in this particular ministry, and it was a ministry that, that we had asked her to do. And it's something that we just back ourselves up sometimes and we say, I'm so sorry. That, that just didn't work for you. 
And she said, I was stressed out. It, I, it, it, I was worried and I was stressed. And then, and then I, I, I realized that, that I, I went over and I, and I, and I said, I'm going to pour myself into this. And she said, I was so excited. I was up early every morning preparing. And I just had joy in the Lord. And I said, thank you. Thank you so much for knowing what it is that gives you joy in the Lord, joy to do. And by and large, most of us, many of us, are, are, are able to understand and know what it is that gives us joy in the Lord, whether it be some form of speaking or some form of serving, which are the only two categories that, that Peter gives in this particular text. More often than not, the problem is not that we don't know what our gift is. The problem is that our heart has become shriveled. Our heart has become, I've gone through seasons like this, or my heart has been shriveled. It's just like a, like a, like a little raisin uh, t- towards God and, and towards God's people. And there's lots of reasons why we go through seasons of life where we feel like that and where we, where we experience that. And the evidences are, are <laughs> sometimes we like to think there is no evidence of it uh, for others to see, but, but usually there is. Evidence of cynicism, of idleness, of isolation. But the antidote is not just pure exhortation. The antidote is not just, uh, 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 certainly not guilt manipulation. How do you take something that is like a raisin and make it soft? You immerse it. You immerse it. Ever, <laughs> ever threw away your porridge the next day because your raisins are four times the size the day before when you put them in? And it doesn't taste very good. But you, there, there's only one way to, to, to deal with a shriveled heart, and it, it, it's, it's, it's for it to be immersed in the gospel. There, there is no way, other way for us to healthily engage in using our gift with God's people than it be immersed and made large through the gospel. And that, it, it, it's for no small reason that Christ is called our head in more than one place in the scripture. And that, that's not merely a place of authority. Yes, it is also that. He is the head of the church. We look to him as our authority, but head uh, signifies something so very much more than authority. It, it signifies vitality that the body is connected to the head. And so, Peter explains very clearly how gifts work. Look again at verse 11. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. You know, see how, again, I'm going to use the word corresponding. There's something wonderful that is, is corresponding. This is how gifts work. What Peter describes corresponds exactly to the ministry of Christ to every believer. He speaks to us, not just his own words. He speaks to us the oracles of God. And he serves us with the strength that his Father gives him. This is so vital. This, this is so vital. You see, what I, I'll use the word transcends again. What, what, what Peter envisions is not merely people who are gifted at speaking, speaking. Not merely people who are gifted in serving in so many different ways, serving. But people who speak, who are speaking the words that God is giving them. And the people who serve are serving with the strength that God is giving them. 
Please don't speak, no matter how gifted of a teacher you are, no matter how eloquent you are. Please don't speak unless you're receiving the words of God. Summed up in the gospel. Right? Please don't serve people. Please don't think that, that this is place where simply where we, we want to plug people in. But rather what we want is people who are experiencing the strengthening of God in their lives and then serving each other. So what does God speak? What, what does Christ speak to us? What does, this, what does this ministry look like? Well, he speaks to us about God. He, he talks to us all the time. This is, this is what living the Christian life in the Spirit, knowing Christ, is like. God in Christ speaking to us continually the oracles of God. You are my child. Yes, you are a miserable failure of a wreck in sin and unbelief, but you're my child and I love you. <laughs> That's a very wonderful oracle that, that God through Christ is always speaking into our lives. I am great, I am mighty, I am majestic, I am faithful, I am good, I am holy, I am eternal. Christ brings those things to us. And to be strengthened by him means that we actually believe those things. That, that's what it means to be serving with the strength that he gives us. It means that we actually believe the things that God says about himself. What else could it possibly mean to be strengthened by God? Rather than walking in doubt and unbelief. That's why Jesus says in John 15 so very, very clearly that I am the vine and you are the branch. And you can't do anything without me. But if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Wonderful words. And so there, there's no way for our church life, for our dynamics, and for our service to one another to glorify God with, without experiencing this. Finally, that it's characterized by the gospel. And I believe all of us intuitively want this. We, 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 want to, we want to be a part of a body. When we sometimes are just watching people engage, that there's something of the substance and the character of the gospel that goes with it. I have been served by the body of Christ in so many powerful ways that if people withheld their gifts, I don't know if I'd be a Christian today. I have been restored to faith. I have been brought back to joy from desponding. I have been brought back to belief from unbelief. I have been restored to hope in times of doubt. Because I'm part of a people who are hearing the oracles of God and serving with the strength that God gives them. Sometimes it's as simple as in a prayer meeting, listening to a person pray, that person has absolutely no idea how they're watering my soul. It's not for us to judge whether our gifts are effective. That's the Lord's work. 
It's for us simply to be faithful, to use them. Characterized by the gospel, this is what I mean. The strength that, that Peter speaks of isn't some vague thing. It's not some, some random thing. It's not some, some spooky thing. Well, I think the Lord's strengthening me. It's the strength that we get from being immersed in the oracles of the gospel, the words that God speaks to us in the gospel. So very, very quickly, let me just give you some examples. Sacrificial love. Ever been served with sacrificial love? That characterizes the gospel. So Christ speaks to us. He speaks to us an oracle of a love that is sacrificial. And so also are serving one another that when we're strengthened, we're, we're serving with the strength that God gives us. It's the strength of sacrificial love. Our human nature doesn't give us that. The world certainly doesn't give us that. The devil most certainly doesn't give it to us. Idols don't give it to us. They're stupid. I can say that about idols. They are truly. And so we are served by Christ in a sacrificial way. And so service isn't just on the beach of, of leisure. It, it, it brings our, our, our toes into an ocean of self-sacrifice, and, and that's not easy sometimes. It's actually, it's never easy. It's not convenient. And it sanctifies us in so many ways. Forgiveness. Christ speaks to us an oracle of Forgiveness. And so also our service to one another. We are strengthened to serve one another with the strength that God provides to forgive. It doesn't matter how talented we are. It doesn't matter how, how, how profound we are. If you can't forgive, you can't bring glory to God. It doesn't matter how many oceans you cross to serve. And, and that's, that's why we need these exhortations. Eternal perspective. Christ speaks to us an oracle of something that is, that is not merely earthly and temporary. He didn't come to save the environment. He came to save souls because souls he was taking with him to prepare a place for all of eternity. And it's, it, it, it's, it, it's a wondrous thing that, that Christ serves us and has risen from the dead to, to give us a hope of eternal life. And so also our, our service of one another to be strengthened by the Lord. To be strengthened by the Lord means to, to be given a perspective that says, I am laboring for something that is not merely temporal. I am laboring for something that is eternal. For the souls of, of people around me, for the souls of children, for the souls of youth, for the souls of, of, of old people, for the souls of anybody that God brings our paths across. And so... This also is sanctifying. <laughs> the words of Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust decay and where thieves break in and steal. Rather, 
Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where Ross, <laughs> where Ross, there's a, and thieves do not break in and steal. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. be steadfast, be immovable. This is the resurrection chapter. Paul's just been talking about the resurrection of the dead. Be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And this is what he says. Here's the reason. Knowing that in the Lord, your work is not in vain. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're not just laboring for, for some product or for some institution or for somebody's idea of greatness. Laboring for the Lord and for his kingdom and for an eternal purpose. And so, just a reminder from the, the book of Peter this morning. But there's, there's no substitute in what we are about as a church. To have impact means to bring glory to him. And to bring glory to him means to have something that transcends, something that, that reflects an experience with Christ himself, a dynamic amongst God's people that is truly gospel characterized. Would you pray with me? God help us. Lord, help us all. Humble us, I pray. And Lord, help us to grasp again your wisdom for our lives. That your purposes are good. They are enriching. They will genuinely bring us joy in this world, but also for eternity. So guide us, I pray, each one in our paths. Guide us as a church. Lord, help us, I pray, as a body to be the church of Christ in this area, in the places in which we live. Keep us safe, I pray, for Jesus' sake.